0: This episode is sponsored by The Alcohol Experiment, a free 30 day challenge designed to interrupt your patterns, give you control, restore your health, and put you back in touch with the version of you who doesn't need alcohol to cope, relax, or enjoy life. More than 220,000 people have already tried the alcohol experiment for themselves and have seen improved sleep, increased happiness, reduced anxiety, and so much more. Join thousands in this inspiring, hopeful, and exciting program where you examine your beliefs and reconnect with the best version of you without ever feeling like you're missing out. Start today for free at alcoholexperiment.com. Hi, this is Annie Grace and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast and I am here with Lauren. Welcome, Lauren. How are you?
1: I'm good. Thank you for having me, Annie. I can't believe I'm having this conversation with you and if you would have asked me like 600 days ago if I would be having this conversation with you, I don't know if I would have believed you. So I just feel really grateful to be here.
0: Oh, that's so awesome. Oh, thanks. I was just noticing for anybody who's not watching the video version of this, we have matching whiteboards in our background. So we're obviously whiteboard kindred spirits.
1: Yes, (laughs) (laughs) pretty cool. Uh, um,
0: So Lauren, why don't you take us kind of back to the beginning for you? Where, Where did it all start?
1: Yeah, so my experience with alcohol abuse began at a very young age before I even started drinking. Uh, Alcoholism runs rampant in my family. I grew up in it and I witnessed how alcohol could change people's behavior and could damage people's lives like very early on. I Mm -hmm. knew what drunk was at five. I used to pour wine bottles down the sink and rip up the adult cigarettes to hopefully get them to stop drinking or smoking. So at a very early age, I tried to control situations like that because I just didn't get a good feeling about them. And I recognized that adults got silly when they drank, but it wasn't like a fun silly. It was more of like a checked out and like a glazed over look in their eyes and they weren't present. So I'm an only child as well. And I'm quiet by nature and quite the observer. So I def- definitely observed these behaviors when I was younger. And a distinct memory I have growing up is the first time I went to therapy. I was in fourth grade and I was having panic attacks and anxiety. And we had just moved to a new place and I was starting a new school. And looking back on it, it was I was probably having this anxiety as well because of the environment I grew up in. I was also always financially taken care of. Um, and I'm very grateful for that privilege, but there was definitely emotional neglect in the household. And a family member of mine who raised me and drank heavily uh, at the time dropped me off at at this therapy appointment. And before I went inside, she told me that if I told the therapist about her drinking or the family's drinking, there would be consequences and so alcoholism was normalized or alcohol was normalized within the family and the household but to the outside world i had to hide their drinking i had to wear this mask that everything was fine we were perfect and in hindsight i can see that that was a lot for a fourth grader to hold inside and to carry Mm -hmm. those secrets and there was a lot of pain and loneliness there and that pressure to be perfect creeped up into my own drinking when I started drinking. So jumpstart to like my own drinking career, if you will. Um, I went through, because I went through that trauma growing up, I didn't really touch alcohol in high school. I think living in it, I was just turned off by it. But once I went off to college, that completely changed. And I fell into the typical college binge drinking experience. It was a slow progression. Um, At first, the friends that I made, we were drinking like once a month and we thought it was so cool to drink and we were going to make a pack to drink like the next month. They hadn't really drank in high school either, but that eventually progressed to, wait, why are we waiting a month? Like, let's do it every week, Thursday through Sunday. It's Margarita Monday. Why not do it then? And during this time, I never felt like I was doing anything wrong or out of the ordinary because everybody around me was drinking. There was somebody to drink with. And I was keeping a high GPA. I was going to classes. I was training and running for half marathons at the time. And I never drank alone, but looking back on it, I can see now that my drinking was definitely like the talk of the next day. And my behavior was the butt of the drinking jokes. And often like mm. I was seen as taking it too far and you know, trying to keep up with the guys drinking. I wore that as sort of a badge of honor, but I definitely knew that I was taking it too far. My hangovers weren't as bad back then though, and I was able to bounce back pretty easily. So I, I never considered slowing slowing down. Uh, during that time period, though, I could tell that I was having unhealthy thoughts and patterns around drinking and having one drink. It just didn't make sense to me. So I could, you know, not drink for a week or two to focus on finals or focus on training for a marathon. But then I would save up that tension and energy and I would just go hard on the weekend. And um, I just never it never made sense to me to just have one drink. It was very much this all or nothing extreme thinking. And that also like progressed as my drinking progressed. And so after I graduated, I moved to a studio apartment and I lived on my own for the first time. And I had a breakup with a long-term boyfriend. So I was single for the first time too. So for the first time I had like nobody accountable for me and um, I realized now that I was coping with like the grief and the loss of a routine with school and a boyfriend with alcohol and partying to numb out any feelings I was having with that. And so that post-grad period was definitely where my drinking amped up and I was partying harder than ever. Lacking out became a regular thing I drove under the influence more than I would like to admit and I woke up with pits in my stomach not knowing how I got home or not knowing where I was and why I got there and and just blurry memories. And one of the early signs I think that I can realize that my drinking was problematic too was there was a liquor store at the corner of my street and I used to frequent it a few times a week and One day it clicked, like, maybe I should change up where I'm buying my alcohol because I wonder if the owner's noticing that I come here all the time. And I did. Uh, But at the same time, I justified my drinking because I was having fun. I was being, I was single. I was in my early twenties when you're told to experiment and be reckless. And I was, I was, I kept a full-time job. I never let it affect my work. I got into my dream master's program at this time too. So on the outside, it looked like I was doing okay and I was right on track. Uh, But my grad program, it started adding a lot of stress and pressure Mm -hmm. and I couldn't drink on the weekdays like I wanted to. I had to save it for the weekend if I wanted to get my assignments done. So I started having these lost weekends that I called them where I would go on these drunken escapades and put together the pieces of the weekend on Monday. And it was sort of a homage to Billy Wilder's The Lost Weekend film uh, from the 1940s. And in that way, like I romanticized my drinking and I romanticized being lost and not having it all together because I had to appear perfect in in my family's eyes, or at least I felt that pressure for so long. Um, I did have like my most fun and wild times during this period, but like these close calls, they were starting to get too close for comfort. And my friendships started to suffer, started to get strained because of the behavior that I had, that I, you know, things I was doing and saying under the influence that if I was sober, I would never say or, or do those things. And there were concerns and I had falling outs with relationships. So these falling outs, like it made me realize, and I, I started to get uncomfortable with my own drinking. And that was in 2015, which was four years before like I actually quit. And then in the final like days of my drinking was in 2018, the family member that dropped me off at therapy, she had hit her rock bottom. So witnessing her downfall was so painful and it ripped my family apart for a few months and seeing her lose practically everything over just one night of drinking. I mean, it was collectively like 25 years of drinking, but it was just a reminder that one night can truly change everything. And that put things in perspective for me. Uh, But it was also complicated because her owning up to the drinking and starting to work on her sobriety and her recovery, it brought up a lot of stuff in my past. So I started drinking to cope with her drinking and her new sober life. And I started to drink a lot more. I did try to work through this trauma. I did go to Al-Anon for adult children of alcoholics, but I was showing up to these Al-Anon meetings hungover or thinking about happy hour later that day. So I felt so gross, like I was leading this double life. It's kind of like that cognitive dissonance that you talk about in your work. And here I was supporting my family member and cheering on her for her sobriety, but I felt like I couldn't get my drinking together and I didn't want to confide in my family because I didn't want to be another one who was struggling with alcohol. We had already had and have so many struggling with alcohol. Like I thought I had to keep it together. And so I learned to hide it. And that was a new low for me. And then my boyfriend at the time, who's now my fiance, um, he started, he decided to stop drinking that September in 2018. And we had been together for two years at that time. And we definitely had become cozy drinking buddies during the first two years that we dated. So when he stopped and then this family member stopped who's so core in my life, like this put a magnifying glass on my drinking. Um, And I wanted sobriety, I wanted to quit with my fiance. But it took me seven months to get there. And those seven months were so brutal. I had 35 day ones in there. And the longest I was able to string together would be like 12 days. And then I would cave for a social event, a birthday or a date night because or even just like to elevate a Saturday night watching TV because I still had it in my mind that I needed alcohol for my social anxiety or to quiet my mind or to just deal with this pain and sadness. And alcohol was my go-to mechanism, coping mechanism. I I didn't really have any, any others. And it was like a friend to me. And it worked until it just stopped working and this is when my drinking like got dark, if it wasn't already dark enough, like it felt the darkest in the seven months, I would wake up from my blackouts with these raging panic attacks. And I would ask my my partner to make sure I was still breathing and to like wait to go to sleep until I went to sleep to like make sure I was still breathing and that I would wake up. Like I was just feeling so physically and mentally ill And like I was going to die at at that time and I would go to the gym. I would wake up though, go to the gym the next day, punish myself, sweat out the alcohol and then go into the steam room to detox. And I would just fall to my knees and cry. And I prayed to God to help me to stop drinking. And I promised I would never drink again if I could just make it through this day And I was stuck. I was just stuck in this self-loathing toxic cycle for seven months and the pit in my stomach would just last for days. And my hangovers were crippling. I just felt ill and depleted and my anxiety was through the roof and it was so bad that I was afraid to drink because I didn't know what the hell would happen in a blackout because I knew I'd black out. And then I was afraid not to drink because I didn't know what alcohol had been, had defined my life in some way, like my entire life, I didn't know how to even be like live without it somehow looming over me. And I just continued to test myself during the seven months, but finally it clicked. I went out with the girls to a drag queen brunch on March 16, 2019. And in the scheme of all my drinking, it was a great fun time and safe, but I drank too much. I woke up the next morning with a raging pan- panic attack and a Venmo request from my friend to help pay for the drinks from the day before.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I checked my, my bank account and I had already spent so much money on drinks that for some reason, this is when it hit me. I was just like, why am I investing and in paying so much to feel like this, to do this to myself, to feel like death and for what to not remember the day in entirety and to just have this anxiety So I I definitely felt some kind of shift or glimmer of hope that like, I was going to take the next step. There was something in me reading that Venmo request that really like made things shift for me. And so two days later, uh, my partner had a work event and a dinner. So I was home by myself. I was still feeling hungover and dehydrated from that last time that I drank. And I just Googled like how to stop drinking. And I know my family members had had success with AA, but I had been in the Al-Anon rooms before. And I, I just wanted to see if there was something out there that was different. And I found your website and I watched the web class that you offer. Anything school related like hooks me. And I just remember watching that hour video and my mind was blown and just learning about the science behind drinking that it doesn't relieve anxiety, that it doesn't help me relax. It might for the first 15 minutes, but then you're worse off than when you started and you have to have another drink to get back to baseline. And I had never seen that cycle played out before. I had never been taught that you know anybody can fall victim, fall for alcohol, fall victim to it. And so that lecture changed everything for me. And I signed up for the 30 day alcohol experiment and I got started the next day. I woke up every morning and I read the daily lessons and the stories. And I listened to podcasts from the time that I woke up to the time I went to bed, hearing people's recovery stories and their journeys was such a vital part in those early days for me. I just needed constant reminders during that time that I wasn't alone and the motivation to like keep moving forward. I drank a lot of water too during that time. I drank a lot of kombucha and I just recommend like finding what your drink is to help get you get you through. And I watched a lot of TV, I did a lot of puzzles and I leaned on my partner for su- support. I know that having a sober partner is, is huge and it's definitely something I don't take for granted. I'm very lucky and feel blessed that he has taken this journey with me as well. And it's kind of neat because when we first started this journey together and we were sober, uh, the first few months, it felt like we were dating again because we hadn't like been around each other sober before. So that's just something exciting Like I, I wanted to share. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. And so I reached the, the end of the 30 days and I felt so clear headed and my heart felt clear. And I developed this compassion for myself and compassion for the family members that drank that caused a lot of pain because it was just recognizing that we're all doing like the best that we can with the tools that we have. And until you have tools, you know, we, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> And um, I decided I felt so good, like why not go for another 30 days and treating it as an experiment, like you, like you word, it takes the pressure off of, you know, committing to a lifetime of not drinking because quitting drinking can be, can feel so unachievable that to break it down in 30 days was something that became attainable for me. And so I went another 30 days without drinking. And once I hit 60 days, I redid the 30 day experiment again, and I got to 90 days sober. And at a hundred days is when I decided to, to come out to my friends and come out on social media. And that post was very scary, and I felt very exposed, but I'm so glad I did it because it added a, another layer of accountability for me. And,
0: um, it's so awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, Uh, During that like first hundred days I just made sure to have rewards lined up for me Um, like running a 5k or going out to a nice dinner and getting a facial or a massage just stuff to help me not feel like I was deprived because giving up alcohol was a, a big thing at the time and I remember when I ran that 5k they always have medals for you and I took that medal and I just told myself like this is for sobriety too so just making whatever celebration you can and making it as big as possible like I recommend because it is something huge to get to get sober and um So yeah, these little treats, they definitely helped me achieve these milestones, but it wasn't a breeze. Like getting sober is hard and getting sober at 27, it comes with a new set of challenges just because you have to relearn how to socialize with your friends who are still actively like drinking because we're young. And we had to say no to events and give ourselves permission to arrive late and leave early Uh, Because we we were used to staying out till last call. So this was an adjustment for us. But now when I go to events, it's not very regularly now in the pandemic. But, you know, when we can go to events, something that I, you know, like to think about is just even if I show up for a half an hour or an hour, if that's all I can do that hour that I'm showing up sober is so much more meaningful and authentic than showing up for six hours completely wasted. The conversations I have are much more meaningful and authentic.
0: That's so great. So um, have you had any difficulties with friends or since like your fiance kind of paved the way it -hmm. was relatively easier? How did that go?
1: Yeah, so my friends have been very supportive. And I think that that was a sign that they knew that alcohol wasn't serving me. Um, So I'm very lucky with that. But it just looks very different in how uh, we hang out. So instead of going to the bar or um, going to brunch, like we'll go on a hike or a bike ride or I have two dogs so we'll go to the dog park so it's just been an adjustment with that but luckily like i have had friends that have been very sober but the relationships for sure have changed
0: yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. and um how do you find like just day-to-day life do you feel like i mean i know it's been a while now which is so awesome congratulations on 18 months um but how do you find like just you know the i guess the quiet spaces, you know, the six mm-hmm. to eight PM or eight six to ten PM, maybe those are always kind of like, huh, this is so weird. I'm just here and present. That's kind of how I would.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I it's taken a village to keep this girl sober. <laughs> um, I have been through Tempest Sobriety School. I enrolled in January through March, so just before the the pandemic, and. That gave me a morning routine and some sort of like evening routine too. But that morning routine, I recommend to anybody, even if you're not sober curious or trying to get sober, because having that 30 minutes of time to myself to meditate for 10 minutes and then I journal for 20 minutes. And I write three things that I'm grateful for, which the gratitude list sounds so cliche, but it does work. And it sets the tone for the day and the week ahead. Like that has been huge for me. So um, that, and then during the evening, like I'll read or I'll take a bath and just like I have learned to fill my time. Like I said, with puzzles, I have never done so many puzzles in my life, but that is sort of therapeutic to me as well.
0: I love puzzles. Mm-hmm. Huge puzzle fan. That's so fun. Yeah. Puzzles. I also got into coloring, you know, just certain things to kind of like let the mind like run and do something else. It's really fun. Yeah. Really cool. <laughs> That's great. Um, so let me ask you the question that I, get, I usually end this with. And thank you. Your story is awesome. I, I particularly appreciate how you went into so much detail about those seven months of it being really intense and, you know, the feelings around it, because I think that sometimes we think it's, okay, well, you just make a decision to stop and, and you try some stuff and it's one and done. And actually it wasn't the case at all. It was like a lot of, a lot of tries and every try, you're never sure. Like, will this be the last try? Cause I give up on this or will this be the last try? Cause this time it finally works and you know, it will eventually work. Like it will happen. Um, but sometimes it just, it just has to be a path that is, has a lot of twists and turns and and that's completely okay. So I really appreciated you going to lots of detail about that.
1: Yeah. I just want to encourage people. Like it, it took me 35 day ones and, To just keep trying because I promise you're getting closer. Um, I promise you are. So just to keep trying.
0: Yeah, so true. Yeah, the only way way you could fail at this is is to stop trying. So Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so good. Um, so let me ask you the question that I, I generally ask at the end, which is like, if you're going back in time to, you know, Lauren, who was kind of the butt of jokes because of her drinking behavior, or, you know, was on the sauna floor sweating out the alcohol and in tears and the 35 day ones, and you would talk to her about what life is like now, 18 months later, um, what would you tell her?
1: I would tell her that sobriety is everything she's been searching for, everything I've been searching for. It is freedom, it's love, and it's acceptance. And it's being you, it's being me, my authentic self. And I'm so proud of her for not giving up and for being resilient and to just keep looking for the helpers. I love that Mr. Rogers quote, that's look for the helpers. There will always be people that are helping because thank goodness, there are always people that are going to be helping. And that's never more true than in sobriety. There have been so many people, including yourself. And I recently just worked with Jodi Ventura with her empowered sobriety program. And she has really allowed me to level her work and her mindset tools have allowed me to level up in my sobriety. And cause I reached out to her at 500 days. I had felt like I had reached a plateau or just sort of was just sustaining sobriety. And I was like, what's next for me? And she has allowed me to go from just surviving in the day-to-day sobriety to truly thriving. And I just can't thank her enough for that program. And in that short amount of time that I've been working for her, like, or working with her, I, uh, have launched my side business Mm -hmm. and thank you. And I'm on this podcast, which is something I have wanted to do since I got sober. So just continue to look for the helpers.
0: It's so cool. Yeah. Every, every person um, who shows up here and tells their story and shares it. I mean, like you said, in in the beginning of your journey, you just listen to it like constantly morning through night. And it's so cool now because now there's literally hundreds. So you can honestly binge it for days and probably a month at a time or something crazy. Right. There's probably like so many hours, which is, is just so good because I think it's so true that, you know, when you see people who are just a little bit ahead of you um and hear their story and you know find yourself in it it's it's such a beautiful thing that's just awesome and I love look for the helpers it's very cool. Yeah <laughs> that's so great. Well thank you so much Lauren. It's been such an honor getting to hear your story. Thank you so much for sharing it and your thoughtfulness um and just coming in and being brave and, and sharing it for everyone. I really appreciate it.
1: Well thank you for all you do like your work you made me feel seen and heard in some of the darkest days and you just, you lit a spark in my sobriety and I'm indebted to you. So just thank you for this opportunity.
0: Oh, you're so welcome. Have you tried the alcohol experiment? Okay. If not drop everything and go to alcohol This is a free 30 day challenge and it's designed to interrupt your patterns and put you back in touch with that best version of you. You remember it was that version of you that's living your most joyful life. That version that didn't need alcohol to relax or have a good time. The one that's able to have more fun than ever. Again, this is a totally free challenge and it can change everything for you. So learn more and join me for a hundred percent free challenge at alcohol. Alcohol and as always, rate, review and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps me reach somebody who might need to hear this message today.